Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, John, rivalry week went about as as expected. As you hoped. <laughs> well, for us, yes. <laughs> but hey, Georgia won, you know. I mean, it's it's kind of a it was kind of a ho hum, yeah. you know. <clears throat> I have a good friend who's a Georgia Tech fan and we just kind of, you know, wallowed in our mud after the games cuz Tech got hammered as well by yeah. Georgia. So, not unexpected. I mean, the point spreads were in the 20 27, you know, range and uh Clemson's definitely got a great team. I mean, they have a great shot. We'll see what happens. I don't know. It's uh, but football was winding down quickly, you know. And um, but we have women's so basketball. Carolina's women's basketball team is a top five team. I'm just saying that's impressive. It, it really is. is. I mean, the, you know, and Carolina always has somebody that's Some up, there. up there. It's always right. baseball, <laughs> basketball. They have something that's yeah. up there, and so just not just not out. You wait till next year, buddy. Hey, it's coming. I understand. I understand. He, he's, it's, you always, you can always get better. That's right. So, all right. You know, but we, speaking of better, we have um, some great topics to talk about here. We have the 10 retirement insights. And these are things, John, you wouldn't necessarily think about for retirement. Um, some of these, these are really good. So you want to stick around for that. Yeah. We also have a real positive article about um, uh, driving cars. Not not real uh, keen on, uh, you know, wealth and New cars. They just don't yeah. go together, typically. They don't typically go together. So the road to riches is this simple. Drive a crappy car. I, it's yeah, a good prescription. It, it's an interesting. It really is. And we'll it's get into some detail on it. So. Interesting take on it. It's a good article. Yeah. It really yeah, is. It yeah. Is. By the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro with over 24 years experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 27 years. We're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a link to the podcast you can listen to uh, directly from your computer. You can also go back in time and listen to all the many, many years. What are we, over 300 now? Something like that. Quite a bit. Yeah, a lot of of podcasts, a lot of information out there. Also, some really good tools on the website and uh, Facebook page, uh, MoneyMD as well. And you can email us directly. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at moneymd.net. Well, John, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this is interesting. Um, The U.S. uh, became a net oil exporter for the first time since the 1940s. So So like 80 years. Yeah, it's just an incredible um, stat. I mean, it's uh, September was the first full month that uh, that occurred, and it was 89,000 barrels to be exact. And to put this in perspective, just a year ago, um, we were importing – um, about 12 million additional barrels than what we could produce. So, I mean, this is a this is amazing. I mean, I I just remember it's an amazing go- shift from it is. from 10 years ago going through the Great Recession. Remember when the yep. the, oil, the um, oil prices you know spiked up, and then the gas prices were four or five dollars, and there were gas shortages, and yep. you know the world's coming to an end, and everything. And and look, we're on we're the leading oil producer now in the world. And technology changed mm-hmm. that. I mean, it was horizontal drilling, it was fracking. That all of a sudden made all these oil wells that we have here in the U.S. Um, profitable again and productive again. And uh, now we're actually exporting. We became an energy exporter a few years ago, if you recall, mm-hmm. with natural gas. 
a net energy exporter. Now we're a net oil exporter. We're like we're like one of OPEC now. Yeah, that's right. Isn't that crazy? It is amazing. And you know the I mean the technology is changing even further with batteries. I mean, you see that with uh, Tesla right. and. So the, one of the points on this is is we don't know where the next next technological boom is going to be, and putting all your eggs in one basket or one industry is very very dangerous because it changes. It does, and it's it's very unpredictable. So you have to diversify, and you know it is it is wonderful what technology can do, and how it can improve things for the future. And we're using less oil um, relative to how much we're producing now. Yeah. That, that's kind of the bottom line. It's a very interesting fact of the week. All right, and that leads us up here to our first topic, um, and that is 10 Retirement Insights. John, this is based on an article out of Market Watch by Richard Quinn. Um, but, you know, um, retirement, it, there, there are some caveats to retirement that you you might wouldn't expect. Um, things that are a little bit different, that they turn out a little bit different, or they're a little bit different than you perceive before you go into retirement. And so these are 10 insights Um from him and things that we've expanded on based on our experience uh, of retirees and seeing retirees over decades now into retirement and and things that you might not expect um, whenever you're planning for retirement. The first one, John, is that no matter how much you have or how well you're prepared, you're always going to question if you have enough and if it'll last. Yeah. Um, You know, I mean, for some reason, you know, we found that, you know, the what ifs, uh, still kind of stare you in the face, you know. Perhaps it's because we don't know. Um, there are no, we know there are no do-overs. Um, you know, you have infinite uh, finite resources in retirement. Um, but we've seen this time and again. I mean, clients who have plenty of money to retire on are in great shape, but they still have anxiety of having enough to, um, and whether or not it'll make it throughout retirement. You know, ten years into retirement. You're likely going to worry about long-term care and the next market crash and how that's going to affect your your income. Um, and you're going to need to continue to put your resources into perspective and to reassure yourself that your retirement is on a good path. I mean, most people will never totally get comfortable that they're going to have enough and that it's going to last throughout their retirement years. And continuing to update a retirement projection well into retirement, having a retirement plan and updating that throughout retirement will help give them that perspective. So we usually recommend that. Yeah. Another uh, insight is um, even in retirement, you know, you, you're going to have emergencies. You need to make sure that you can replenish that emergency fund. And, you know, you, you cannot handle a significant unexpected expense um, from your retirement savings without jeopardizing your financial future. So and that's a problem. So you need to make sure that your emergency fund is built in to your budget, um, you know, outside of your regular retirement plan, you need to be able to replenish that when it's used. And so this really means that you need to have a cushion in your cash flow that allows you to continually add to that emergency fund. And a, a good ballpark is about 10% cushion in your budget <clears throat> that you can continue to put into your into your emergency fund because there's always going to be, um, you know, things that are, are not systematic expenses and not predictable and so forth. You know, you have HVAC units and roofs and things like that. So medical bills obviously are, are un, unexpected. And so you'll, you'll need the ability to replenish that fund on an ongoing basis, even in retirement. Yeah. And most people think, you know, once you retire, your, your emergency fund is done and now you just live out of your savings. Well, you still have to have an emergency fund. It still has to be built into your budget. So that's a great point. And the next one here, though, is the three-legged rule of retire- retirement income 
doesn't include a pension for most people going forward. Yeah, it's just two legs. It's that's right. It's just two <laughs> legs now. Well, no, there's still three legs, but you got to create that third leg. You know, yeah. the three-legged stool used to be, you know, the the company pension, Social Security, and personal savings. Well, today that stool has different legs. You know, for most people in the private sector, there's no pension plan. So instead, there, you only have the 401k plan instead of the pension plan. So the new legs now are the employer retirement savings plan, the 401k plan, that is, um, Social Security, and then other savings like Roth IRAs and after-tax savings. Um, you know, most retirees, they, they still need three significant sources of income in retirement to give you the kind of diversification and flexibility that you need for the future throughout your retirement years. And since young people and those in private sector no longer have pensions for most jobs, that third leg has to be created with a retirement plan like your 401k. Um, and it takes a lot of money to create a reliable and significant source of income throughout retirement. You know, I mean, assuming the industry accepted 4% withdrawal rate is a is a good number to use, which we think it is, um, you would need about $600,000 to create a consistent $2,000 per month income stream from your 401k, which would last throughout retirement without the fear of it running out. So it's a lot of money. You got to yeah, plan for that. That's absolutely right. Another one here is uh, kind of an insight is maintaining your pre-retirement lifestyle really isn't as easy as it sounds. And it may seem easy on paper, but in reality, it's really tough. Uh, for, for many people to have that pre-retirement standard uh, of living well into retirement. And one of the major reasons it's difficult is poor budgeting. And the truth is most people really don't know how much they spend. I mean, we sit down with hundreds of clients each year, and we can, can tell you that most really don't know how much they spend. And, you know, they may have a loose idea uh, of their budget, but rarely does it add up, uh, you know, accounting for all of their income and expenses. So, again, it goes back to that budget word. You've got a budget in retirement. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, one way to get a handle on that is to look at how much money is deposited in your checking account each month from your pay and other sources. And your budget needs to add up to this number, aside from anything you're saving out of that after taxes. It rarely does. So for most retirees going into retirement, you know, think they think that they'll spend less than they really do. Um, and it's not until they get well into retirement they realize that it takes more than they'd count on to maintain that previous standard of living um, before retiring. So make sure you have a real budget that accounts for your expenses and consumes all of your income um, or accounts for all of your income before retirement. So the next one here, though, is inflation is real. John, I mean, I know, you know, a lot of people think inflation is mostly gone and we don't have a whole lot of inflation. Maybe it's only two and a half, three percent. Um, but, you know, that adds up and, and it's still a big issue. Um, Health care spending, property taxes, rent. Um, those are all going to be inflation concerns in retirement <clears throat> and medical, of course. You know, and there's no escaping inflation, so you need to plan for it. And while something like 3% inflation doesn't sound like much, um, consider the fact that most pensions don't go up each year with inflation, and someone living off of dividends also doesn't get an automatic increase each year. So if you're living off of, say, $100,000 per year with no increase, you're going to need an extra $3,000 at 3% inflation after only one year. I mean, that's the very first year you might be running $3,000 short 
And then after three years, it'll be about $10,000 you could be running short in just three years. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a huge deficit to, to run into um, if you haven't planned for it. Um, so you have to plan for inflation. I mean, this has to be factored in your plan or you're going to find yourself squeezed financially in just a few years in retirement. Um, so we would recommend having a pool of money that you leave untouched. You allow it to grow until you need it later on in retirement to help offsetting, you know, offset inflation. So it's got to be built into the plan. That's right. That's right. Another insight here is uh, sometimes a transition isn't easy. And, and some people do find it difficult to trans transition into retirement. You know, they have a professional life. They have, um, you know, work friends and perks and prestige in that. And uh, admittedly, we find this a little rare, but we do come across folks that uh, that are struggling with, um, you know, giving up their career and finding their new identity. And so for those people who don't have hobbies or the retirement bucket list to attack, um, you know, we suggest that you maybe ease into retirement, maybe consider working part time for a year, um, you know, maybe take some extended vacations first to ensure that you can you know, occupy all your time well before pushing uh, the retirement button. And in general, uh, we do see more high-level managers and professionals having trouble making that transition to their golden years. Uh, Unfortunately, those type of employees typically have the option of maybe working part-time in retirement. So you got to figure that one out. That's that's a very important one. Yeah, absolutely. Good point. The next one here is, um, you know, busy or bored. Um, It's your choice, but you have to plan accordingly for retirement. You know, when we see people who were about to retire um, and what they had planned to do, typically, you know, when we ask them what they're planning to do, typically we get answers like play golf, fish, tinker around the house, um, you know, travel a little bit. I mean, those aren't enough for most people um, to really fill their days. But you can take heart. You know, what we find is that retirees soon are very busy, Mm -hmm. you know, so you will pretty soon probably fill up your day. The question is... Will you be busy doing what you want to do in retirement? Because most people tell us they don't know how they ever had enough time to work. Yeah. Um, but, you know, unless you plan well, you might find yourself doing things you really don't want to do in retirement. You know, um, so if you want to be really happy in retirement, then you need to plan your activities before your time is consumed by accepting every request to volunteer outside of your comfort zone and your desire. Um, So come up with a list of hobbies, volunteer activities you plan to pursue in retirement and be prepared to turn down the ones you want to avoid before you're caught off guard and you're fully committed all your time, you know, once you retire. Yeah, another insight here is uh, where did all my friends go? (laughs) You know, when you work with people for a lot of years. Uh, you know, your relationships with them might seem more than um, than just about business. And so when you retire, you may lose your authority and influence. Um, so it can feel like you've kind of dropped off the planet. So, you know, your true friends will remain, but uh, your value to others will be sparse. So uh, you got to take that into account and just understand and not be surprised um, and be ready to engage a new group of friends in retirement. So uh, again, that goes back to the transition piece of it is where you're going to plug in and you will have a new, you know, work group if you're volunteering somewhere. So yeah, new yeah. group of friends. That's yep. right. <clears throat> Good point. Yeah. Another one here is, uh, well, you know, there's an old saying, I married you for better or worse, but not for lunch. <laughs> I hadn't heard that. I hadn't heard that either. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was a pretty interesting comment. Yeah. I mean, some spouses are content to spend long hours together, but some are not, you know, I mean, when you add eight to 12 hours a day, 
to the time you spend with a person, you know, there is an adjustment there. <laughs> we hear that, the, yes. To say the least, you know. Um, so you need to figure out how well you and your spouse typically do on long vacations, holidays, um, and consider how that might translate into retirement. And you need to talk about it ahead of time and plan for your time together and how to maintain your space once you're retired because so you stay married it's gonna right so you stay married in retirement you don't want to ruin it ruin it with with uh you know an extra eight hours a day so uh, and the last one here is you know there's no time like the present um in retirement for most people john is 25 or 30 year phase of life um however those years are not all necessarily equal um and we normally see people that are really enjoying their retirement the most during those first 10 years of retirement when they're perhaps healthier, they're more energetic, you know, they're excited about going and doing things. Um, so, so our suggestion is make the most of your first retirement decade to go see and do the things you dreamed of for your golden years. Don't put those off for later on if you can help it. And budget some extra money in those first few years of retirement to really go enjoy your well-earned retirement foray um, because, you know, there's no time like the present. So yeah, good good insights. Enjoy retirement. So those are the insights for retirement, and that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, we, um, you know, being in this business now for well over a decade and you're over two decades, uh, we see people that pass away, right? Right, um, right. And uh, so just recently had this, and the question is, is my dad just passed away and had a brokerage account um, he's had a lot of gains over the years. How much will I have to pay in taxes? And hmm. so there's different kinds of accounts. So if, yep. an, an, if you inherit an IRA account, then you will have an inherited IRA. And if you don't take money out of there, uh, you have to take an RMD, but right. you don't have to pay taxes on that piece of it. A brokerage account gets something called a stepped up basis on the date of death. So let's just use an example. Let's say they Put in fifty thousand, and now it's worth seventy five. The stepped up basis would be seventy five. Yeah, if so, it's owned individually. That's right. If it's owned by the uh, by the individual. So the, the answer to this is is there's no taxes um, because it's a stepped up basis. Uh, it, the tax would be determined from the date of death until when you sold it. So there could be a little right. little bit of you know positive right. you know gain or loss associated with it. But brokerage accounts have that stepped up basis. Yeah, I will give one caveat to that. I, I'm starting to see more and more accounts that are held in trust, mm-hmm. and um, you know a trust account if it's a living trust that was that was still taxed at the person the decedent's. Um, uh, tax rate um, in their their annually in their tax returns, then it gets a step up like you just suggested. But if it was an irrevocable trust mm-hmm. and it was a separate tax entity, which we do see from time to time, um, you know maybe the first spouse passed away and then it got put into a, 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 a irrevocable trust, um, then that's a separate tax entity and it no longer gets a step up in basis. Right. So. Something to consider. It can be more complicated. Um, it's a great question, and you know, I'd suggest you you talk to a tax professional. Yeah, I always or, talk to CPAs on or, this stuff. You know, come talk to us. You know, if you're yep. a client, we'd we'd love to help you with that. Yep. So, good question of the week, and that leads us up here to our next topic, and that is um, the road to riches is simple. Just drive a crappy car. <laughs> Yeah, that's positive, right? <laughs> right, John. Sounds yeah. like Dave Ramsey, but Dave didn't write this. This is uh, Jared Dillon from uh, Market Watch, and uh, you know, buying a new car, Steve, is like taking forty thousand dollars and setting it on fire. Could be, yeah, could be. You're right. You're it, right. Dave, Dave talks about you know if you if you want to have more fun, um, buy a used vehicle, 
take the depreciation amount in hundred dollar bills and throw it out on the highway and see what happens. So eh, probably don't do that. That's it's probably right. a little, you, you little get, dangerous. You get some attention. Yes, no doubt. So um, this uh, this gentleman was saying he was scrolling through Facebook the other day and he saw uh, one of his smart friends had had posted an article about a, a Toronto Raptors basketball player who, despite despite making nearly a hundred million dollars. Uh, still drives a 20-year-old uh, beater uh, SUV. Good for him. Yeah, and he said, you know, the reason why he does is it is run, it runs, and it's paid off. There you go. That's a exactly. good deal. Exactly, and, yeah. And the second part of that is really crucial. There's nothing better than a paid-off car. There's no monthly payment. The depreciation has already occurred, and you're driving it for free. Yeah, I mean, once it's paid off and, you know, it's, it's you know, if it's 10 years old or five years old, I mean, the appreciation does get pretty small at that yeah. point. And, uh, you know, that it's that as they we've heard said many times, you know, and the late Larry Burkett used to say this, the the cheapest car you'll ever drive is the one you have now. <laughs> That's you right. know, in other words, you know, keep driving it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you keep driving your car and just, you know, when it breaks down, sweep up the dust and drive it some more. As he used to say, um, I always thought that was great advice. I mean, you can save a ton of money on vehicles or you can spend a ton of money on vehicles. Um, You know, and I have to say I'm not maybe not as disciplined as him, but uh, but I did drive my last car for seven years. I think it was Mm -hmm. 135,000 miles. And and then, you know, I wanted something newer. Um, But, you know, his level of frugality, though, you know, this NBA player, I mean, was. Is seldom see. I mean, particularly in sports player. I mean, sports professionals, people that make a lot of money. Um, you know, they tend to to go off the rails mm-hmm. in spending money. Yeah, and he goes on to say he had somebody who played college hoops and made it to the NBA, and he said the players would buy a new suit every day while they were on the road. So they had forty one road games, so they had forty one suits. Now they're That's making insane. millions of dollars. But well, how would you even do that? That's insane. I mean, I, I, I can't even. I mean, just. The time it takes to get a suit that fits, yeah, I, I can't. They I would wear them once, never wear them again. So what a what a waste! And given the size of the basketball players, uh, these suits were really not off the rack, right? I mean, they wouldn't fit us. And right. you know, conservatively, that's about a hundred thousand dollar worth of suits uh, a year. And and so you know, we're as we look at you know these stories of professionals, um, you know, we also see that folks. And this is where kind of Dave comes in. Is you know, if you can control your spending on simple things like coffee um it adds up over time but cars are a really big deal because there's so much depreciation and you're investing it's not investing you're putting money into something that is depreciating versus appreciating yeah and it's a little bit stealthy you know i mean people buy a car and they think well all i'm spending is the you know four hundred dollar a month payment on it and i gotta drive something they don't really think about the depreciation. Um, they don't think about how much it costs to own that vehicle. And it's it's kind of the same thing with houses. You know, quite yep. frankly, when people buy and sell houses, they, they think they're, they're, you know, they think they're saving money compared to rent. And they overlook, you know, depreciation and all those kinds of things that go into it as well. But that's certainly true with cars. So, um, yeah, when you start talking about what to give up, you know, um, People tend to are more willing to give up driving a brand new fancy car than they are their morning coffee, you know. And um, so you tell people they're going to give up their coffee as Susie or Susie Orman does, yeah. <laughs> and you kind of alienate people very quickly. Um, so for starters, you know, don't buy forty-one suits a year, but you know, also don't buy ten-dollar, you know, uh, lattes or you know yeah. juice every yeah. day as well, and and don't go out and eat three times a week. 
Um, don't stay in three or four hundred dollar hotels every time you travel. I mean, there's lots yeah. of things you can do don't, to save money, but the car is a big one. And don't spend a lot on like putters, golf golf clubs, putters, right? Well, I mean, just, just wait just to cotton pick a minute there, buddy. You know, <laughs> oh, everybody yeah. has their thing, okay? Well, yeah, we're getting offended here, I can tell. So all that's... I buy them used okay. off eBay. All right, okay? good. There you go. So uh, all that stuff's basic, you know, the, the, the coffees and so forth. But the easiest way really to save money, hands down, is to drive a used car. Uh, unless you're driving a Ferrari, a car is not an investment. It's basically a huge waste of money. I mean, where where else can you take $40,000 and basically set it on fire in seven years? I mean, the depreciation just kills it. Yeah. It, you're, you're torching a lot of money really fast I, when absolutely. you buy a new car. And you have a lot of interest, uh, you know, in the process, and it's a disaster. And, you know, funny thing about cars, people's egos are a lot of times tied up in the brain of the car, whether it's a Benz or an Audi or whatever. This guy says he drives a Toyota and it's paid for and he's happy with it. And, you know, if you don't have that car payment every month, then you can put it into a Roth IRA, something that's likely going to appreciate over time. So uh, he said he um, he was in Myrtle Beach and he saw a green Lamborghini parked in the uh, Social Security office. Good grief. I wonder if they got that on, on discount somewhere. If they're working there or they're going there to collect no. their Social Security? Yeah, it was a 90-year-old man came out of the uh, Social Security office, got in the car, revved his engine while people took pictures. <laughs> So, green Lamborghini. I don't know. Maybe that's a Good sign grief. of money or something. I Good don't know. grief. I don't know. But, yeah. Yeah, he says he spent a lot of time in Miami Beach, you know, where having a Porsche is kind of like owning a Honda. And uh, you get a lot of sense that people own those cars. Literally, they have no other possessions, and it's all about priorities, and, and that's kind of their status symbol. Um, but it's it's not a very smart one. Yeah, so this is bottom line how you win. I mean, you can certainly do the day-to-day decisions, and they do add up over time. But there's a couple of big decisions here that that change the game, and a car can can bankrupt you. Um, you know, we see that as people get. Um, we do counseling out in the community, and and a lot of people are struggling with making car payments and student loan payments and house payments and so forth. And uh, leasing is is not good and so forth. And so there's always someone willing to to sell you though, right? And set yeah. you up in a payment. That's right. You know, I mean, he's had conversations here with car salesmen, and they all kind of say the same thing. You know, you can get into that car. Um, you know, what can I do to get you in that car? You know, how much will it take? Um, and they're pretty creative. I mean, financially speaking, they'll come up with ways to kind of put it in perspective and make it sound like, oh, it's only, you know, $10 a day or something, Yeah. you know, to get in that car. But um, the, the truth is, it's expensive when you add it all up and you really put the financial, you know, dollars and cents together. Um, overall, you, you want to be careful how much you spend on cars. You can really bankrupt yourself over that. Yeah, we were, um, you know, we listened to, to Dave, obviously, a lot and so forth. And he's right. I mean, he has, you know, I think he says he has one of his hours occasionally is sell the truck hour. So people okay. call in and it's like, you know, sell the truck, you know, sell the car, sell the truck. So, yeah. I mean, you know trying to get out of it because it is such a detrimental to people's personal happiness and well-being. I mean, the vehicle becomes a curse versus a blessing. And it's a drastic <clears throat> step, but people need to do that if you're going to change your financial future. And, you know, it's kind of a symbol. You know, if you're willing to sell your car and drive buy a used car, you know, that's a great step to yep. getting out of debt. And uh, I, Dave uses that a lot. Yeah. Good. I, I will tell you, Dave is a big proponent of driving beaters while you're building wealth and so forth. 
But he also, I've heard him many times say, um, he wants you to drive a nice car, right? He wants you to build up enough wealth. He says he drives very nice cars, and I'm sure he has a fleet of them. (laughs) You know, if you have millions of dollars and you plan for that and it's in your budget, by all means, enjoy your your nice car and truck. That's right. Absolutely. So, all right, good topic. And that leads up to our final thing here, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, make sure if you're over 70 and a half, um, you know, you've taken your RMD, required minimum distribution, um, you know, start doing some planning for next year as well. If you're over 70 and a half, you can actually donate your RMD. It's called a QCD, Qualified Charitable Distribution, to a nonprofit. So as an example, let's say you're writing a um, a, a church a $1,000 check. Um, you can instead give them $1,000 from your RMD, and it would not show up as income, which means you're not paying taxes on it. And um, if you just gave $1,000 to a church, you're probably not going to be itemizing. So it's a tax play. It's it's a good option to look at in your situation. Make sure you talk to your CPA or advisor, but it's something that can be beneficial. Yeah, it comes out tax-free. Um, you're actually not even limited by the RMD. Actually, you can once you're over seventy and a half, you can do that all the way up to like $100,000 per year. And, uh, you know, it doesn't go against your Medicare premium and all the other things that your adjusted gross income factors into. It totally bypasses all that, comes straight out of your IRA and goes to charity. So it's a great way if you're taking a standard deduction, particularly it's a great way Mm -hmm. to get benefit from your charitable contributions and get a tax-free distribution out of your IRA. Yeah, we have a lot of of clients using that. Yeah, it's it's a powerful tool. tool, So I like that one. Okay, that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net, and email us your questions if you have any at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.